Hello and welcome to Quick Looks from the Long View. This is episode 22. My name is Jeff Gamble, and as always, I'm here with my co-host for the Quick Looks episodes, Lloyd Keller. Um, Lloyd and I have a couple of games to talk to you about tonight. The first one is a new title from Stronghold called City of Spies. And the second title is by uh, Ryan LeCount, um, and that is called Islebound. So we're going to be taking a look at those two tonight. So Lloyd, I want to say uh, thanks for joining me as always. And uh, could you say hello as a um, spy who is trying to pass along the secret password? The secret word is Schadenfreude. <laughs> or maybe it could be escargot. Escargot. <laughs> look at that escargot. <laughs> Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. That's more than one word, though. That would be a lot. That would be a lot harder to type, you know, in your secret like ring that sends out like Morse code. No, that totally wouldn't work. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that that would not work real well. That would also, you know, it's like I was thinking, like, what's the secret knock? You know, it's like you <laughs> can't do the shave and a haircut. Everybody knows shave and a haircut. I think that's the most overused knock in the history of the world, right? Uh, between that and Penny. Penny. Penny, right? Okay. I think those are the two most well-known knocks now. Is we well, still have the old shave and a haircut, and then we have Penny. Shave and a haircut was used in Roger Rabbit, so. Roger Rabbit. Why, Don't did, you, you, why did you bring up that film? It was a terrible it film. It was a great film. It was I loved horrible. It. it was horrible. And a bunch of people, like, talked <laughs> weird about an animated what was was that? Just an animated woman, or what was it, Jessica? Oh, Jessica Rabbit. That Jessica wasn't a rabbit, rabbit. That wasn't a rabbit. I mean, it was just very weird. It was a strange bunny. I don't know. I just thought the whole thing was kind of odd. It was like that and Howard the Duck. Those are like two things, two movies that never should have been made. I like the fact that the bullets that were the cartoon bullets in right. Roger Rabbit were apparently Mexican. Why were they Mexican? I don't know. I don't remember that. <laughs> I think they were. I think they were Mexican that's bullets. Kind of racist. Were really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember that at all. I don't know. Whatever. I was watching old Warner Brothers the other day, and um, and it was like watching old Speedy Gonzalez. And I was like, wow, this is pretty. This is pretty stereotypical. Like you know, wow. Looking back on this with uh, modern eyes, it's uh, ooh, you know. Yeah, Speedy Gonzalez is a friend of my sister. Speedy Gonzalez is a friend of everyone's sister. You know, and then they all laugh, and I'm thinking to myself, I I remember watching these. I never thought anything of that, but now I'm like, ooh, okay. Anyway, we need to keep him out. We got to build a wall. We do. (laughs) Got to build a wall, right? Got to build a wall. Keep out Speedy Gonzalez. That's right. Keep out Speedy Gonzalez. It didn't work out in the cartoons. (laughs) No, it never did. So I don't know why people think it might work out now. It's not really going to do anything. Um, I think this has been the longest Lloyd say hello ever. I think there and is. That's I think pretty there good. Is. And the thing that I love about the wall is that is the whole problem. Wait, no, there's like <laughs> large bodies of water. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What are you gonna do? Put up nets? Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Now we've gotten too political, and I will have offended some people, but it is what it is. Um, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> no. It's a bad idea. Well, just you know, wait another week to post this, and right, the election right. will be over. The election will be over, and uh, I will either be apologizing to the uh, new overlord um, <laughs> and sending off my precious gold and ready to believe things and hear about all the plans. I want to hear about all the plans. All, all the plans. The plans that I've been waiting for shall be revealed. That's what I'm waiting for. 
I want to hear all these great plans. It's going to be good. It's going to be bigly. They're 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 going to be ginormous. They're going to be ginormous. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. Other other made up words like that. Yeah, right. Oh boy, we're here to talk about games. Believe it or not, <laughs> we're here to talk about two games. Yeah. And the first game um, does re- revolve a little bit around political intrigue, and uh, that is going to be the first game we're going to be talking about, which is City of Spies by Stronghold Games. So, City of Spies is a game uh, that was put out uh, for two to four players. It uh, is a 2016 title, and it's just kind of gotten larger distribution here. Um, I first played the game, geez, uh, last year. I think we played it at uh, Metatopia Metatopia over Mm -hmm. in Jersey, which is uh, actually coming up this weekend uh, as of the time we're recording this. And uh, the designer is listed as uh, Gil Daori and uh, Antonio Susalara. And the artist is, uh, geez, Mihajo Dmitrievsky. Wow, I'm sure I did an even worse job than I usually do. You know, I could have just like tried to, well, you know, I try, I try. Um, and this is a, a game that is set in uh, World War II, uh, mm-hmm. basically. This is uh, set in uh, uh, 1942. And uh, it is all about the sort of uh, competing spy networks of the great powers. So uh, the United States is kind of represented. Germany, of course, is represented. You have Portugal represented, uh, you know, kind of the the historical setting of this game. Um, You also have uh, Great Britain represented and uh, uh, France is in there, definitely. And so basically what this is, is it's kind of a game of um, like political intrigue. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to um, gain new agents. You're trying to recruit new agents. And these new agents are hopefully going to do you know, a fantastic job for you. They're going to be better than the agents that you have. And as you improve your sort of agents and their abilities over time, it's going to enable you to inc- recruit even better agents, etc. And you're going to be kind of going to these different locations um, in this city, um, and in the city you have kind of like, you know, there's like a church that you might go and have a clandestine meeting or you might go to the beach. The beach. Uh, you might go to the beach. You might go to a, a number of different hotels that were apparently kind of known for clandestine meetings between uh, spies of, of various countries where they would either share information or try to uh, steal information from each other and things of that nature. Um, so that's kind of the, the backdrop here. And all of the spies are going to be rated in a few sort of different areas. You start off with a hand of six spies, right? And these six spies are going to come from various countries um, involved in the time period. And they're going to have different abilities. Um, Some of them have an assassination ability where if you send that spy to a location where there's another spy, you might have the chance to assassinate uh, another player's spy. Um, some of them have abilities that, like nationalism, where they kind of draw power and strength from being surrounded by others of their kind. So if I have a um, sort of a, a Spanish or a, an English uh, nationalist, okay, then other spies that might be at other locations in the city are actually going to kind of combine their strength with mine in a way and make me even more powerful, okay? Even if they're not your spies, too. Exactly, That's the best part. right. Yeah. It could be somebody else's spies, but, you know, they're, they're kind of caught up in this wave of nationalism, right? Um, there's the seduction power, 
which is really kind of cool. Uh, the seduction power will pull uh, agents from other locations to you in a very James Bond kind of fashion. And uh, that will, of course, then give you the ability to uh, loosen up sort of other areas that you might also be interested in trying to recruit in by distracting another player's agent with, uh, you know, maybe one of uh, uh, your agents who's going to use their seduction power, right? So, and then finally you have this sort of like Hydra symbol, right? Which is this kind of like octopus kind of symbol, uh, which is sort of a conspiracy symbol. And those guys are going to allow you to actually kind of maybe even change the resolution of the round. So when I talk about changing the resolution, let me explain what that means. So you have these locations that are going to be out on the table. And they're these really nice, thick, kind of square tiles that you're going to put out an array of, what is it, eight of them, I think? Or it's either six or eight. It's you're going to put out six, I believe. Six, all right. So you're going to put out this array of these tiles, and then there's a couple that will not be put out, okay? So it's kind of a random setup each time. And each of the locations might have a different sort of a spin to it. For example, there's no assassinations in the church. You know, that's, that's like one of them. And if you go to a hotel that's known for sort of German tourism and German nationals coming then any German agents sent there are going to kind of get a bonus to their strength, okay? And when we talk about strength, you can kind of think of it as influence or whatever it is you want to kind of think of it as. But basically what you're doing is you're competing for a new agent that is going to be at each of these locations around the board. Most of them are going to be face up and you're going to know what you're competing over, but there's usually one or two that are going to be face down. They're called top secret. And so you don't know exactly what that kind of reward is, like who you're actually going for there. Um, and so that's kind of a, a fun little twist. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take your hand of agents and you're going to be placing agents out into these locations in a specific way. I won't get into all the rules about placement. There are some, they're not overly onerous. You know, they're not hard to remember, mm -hmm. but um, there are some placement rules. So you place your agents around the board until everyone has placed the number that they're supposed to, depending on the number of players in the game. And then you're going to resolve. And each of the locations' uh, boards are numbered like one, two, three, four. And that's the order they're going to resolve in. So if I place an assassin in the number one spot, that's really good for me because that assassin is going to activate first and get to take a shot at somebody, okay? However, if I put my assassin in the number three spot, well, if somebody else had put an assassin earlier or maybe someone uses seduction or maybe something like that, they could pull my assassin out of position. They could assassinate my assassin. Mm -hmm. um, all kinds of craziness could happen like that. So there's this interesting uh, resolution order uh, on each of the location tiles. And then, as an added twist... Each of the location tiles is number two. So you're always going to resolve from low to high. So when you're putting out your spies, you really have to think about this. Like, what's the order that everything's going to fire? Um, because that can have some definite effects when it comes to things like nationalism, when it comes to the seduction powers. Um, these are the kind of things that you really need to think about because um, depending on how the tiles resolve can really change things. So that's kind of a neat little twist, too. And then there's also uh, the abilities on the boards themselves. When you place your spies in certain locations, um, there might be little icons that will tell you you can peek at another tile at that location. Or you can peek at a tile anywhere. Or you can look at 
maybe a hidden uh, reward tile, right, which is another agent that's face down. So these are going to allow you to kind of have a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more knowledge about what you're going to be sort of competing for. And so all of this happens. Everybody puts out their spies. You're trying to recruit these better spies, more powerful spies. And um, you're going to resolve the board, and the players are going to take the spies that they have obtained, right, into their organization. But then they have to retire some because you can never have more than six spies in your hand. And so what ends up happening is you have to sort of retire some spies and keep others. Now, that wouldn't normally sound like a big deal, right, because... Obviously, I'm going to keep the more powerful guys and I'm going to get rid of my weak sort of beginning powered spies. Well, maybe not because one of the really cool things about this design is at the start of the game, there's going to be these sort of goal tiles that are flipped up. So whoever has the most female agents or whoever has uh, the largest number of British agents or whoever has uh, the most conspiracy agents or something, these tiles are going to flip up and we're all going to see them, and we're all going to be competing for them. So I might have a relatively weak agent, but if she's a female agent, and I look around the board, and I got a shot at taking that tile, which is going to award me a lot of points at the end of the game, well, I might keep her around rather than retire her, because anybody that you retire does not count towards those bonus tiles at the end of the game. And they're only worth one point apiece. Exactly. Everybody that you retire is worth one point apiece, whereas everybody that's in your hand at the end of the game is worth whatever number of victory points is listed on them. And they could be anywhere from like one, two, three, or four. I think four is the the most I've seen, right? Yeah, maybe. So all of this kind of uh, goes together to make a really kind of a thinky, sort of a fun puzzle game. I'm not a huge puzzle game fan, but this one I liked quite a bit. Um, And I like um, the differences that I saw from the original version I saw a year ago. The original version uh, was a little bit longer. Um, It was a little bit um, tighter. And so it didn't reward risk-taking the way this new version does. Mm -hmm. And if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think the original version had a sort of limit on the number of spies. Like I think you kept everybody in your hand. And so... I don't remember. I don't remember having to discard them and only having the six. So uh, my memory's a little fuzzy. It was it was almost two years ago. Um, well, no, about a, what, a little over a year ago. Yeah, um, because I don't think it was year. Metatopia last year. Because Metatopia last year, was it last year? I guess it would have had to have been last year. year. Yeah. Fine. I'm just getting older and my memory's too uh, fuzzy. But yeah. uh, I remember um, being a little kind of overwhelmed by all of the different things I could put out and trying to keep track of what people had, blah, blah, blah. This, I I thought, really kind of streamlined things, made it a lot simpler. The placement rules were significantly simplified from what I recall, and it just makes the game a lot of fun. Uh, You can play it a little bit faster and looser and still have all sorts of great interactions and opportunities. So you're going to do this three times. There's three rounds in the game, and at the end of that, everybody's going to kind of reveal the six that are in their hand, and you're going to score the points on them. You're going to score those bonus cards. You're going to score one point for each agent that you retired, and then you're going to see who won. So um, from a sort of a gameplay rule standpoint, that's sort of the overview. So uh, Lloyd, what were your impressions of City of Spies? I like this one a lot because of the fact that uh, there's a lot of bluffing going on. And that's, I think, one of the coolest things about the game is that everybody starts with the same agents, the same six spies, Mm -hmm. 
And most of the time, unless you go to the beach, <laughs> because you can see everybody's everybody at the exposed beach. at the everybody's beach. Everybody's exposed yeah. at the beach. It's like a nude beach. Uh, really? Well, it, it is supposed to be Europe. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, but when you put your spies out into play, they actually go face down. Mm-hmm. And it's not until each tile is resolved in that activation number and in the activation order that you finally see and go, oh, well, I guess I'm not getting that tile now because I thought I had a good strategy and no, you know, that assassin just killed Mm-hmm. One of my dudes. Mm-hmm. Oh, we totally forgot about the diplomat. Oh, the oh the yes. The diplomatic community. <laughs> it's just been revoked. It's just One of the worst lines in movie history. I loved it. <laughs> it was terrible. With the South African dude, diplomatic yeah. community. Anyway, that's like a lethal that, weapon know, reference. Like, he shoots it was like, him through his wallet. Come I know. On, it was awesome. I know. It was like lethal weapon 16 or something, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was freaking horrible. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the diplomats. The diplomats yeah. can shield. Um, other people, themselves, themselves or somebody or else, else, right? So they're like an assassin counter, right? Right. Um, so yeah, those are kind of neat too. So one of the cool things to do is to pull a diplomat um, <laughs> or try to pull a diplomat with a, with a uh, seduction and get the diplomat out of there so you can then assassinate somebody. Um, but, you know, the diplomat can make themselves immune. Well, actually, no, because the diplomat, if the diplomat resolves afterwards on a later board, you just pull him over there and then he flips, Right. Um, so then the diplomat uh, has an ability to kind of try to, to make other people immune, but um, might not be able to do what it was you originally planned. Or if it's a nationalist sort of a round where you're trying to get a lot of guys from the same um, sort of uh, country in one kind of location. Because you're looking at orthogonally adjacent locations yep. in this game. Uh, that can really mess with things too. So those are kind of cool as well. So, I mean, I definitely like the, the whole bluffing aspect of it. Um, I like the th- the, the way you kind of have to thin your hand out every time you get somebody new. Yeah, it's tough Because it, it really makes you think about, you know, looking at those goal cards, looking at what you might want to keep for the end of the game, or simply just thinking about, you know, what type of strategy do you want? Because if you manage to get a lot of assassins, even though there might not be an assassin goal card, well, you know, if you get a lot of assassins and you can get them into the first or second place mm-hmm. on whatever tile they're activating, you have a pretty good shot at winning a lot more tiles than your yeah. opponents at that point, yeah. which is very handy. I liked um, the artwork yeah, for the all the agents cool. yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. It's real kind of stylized, uh, almost caricature-ish kind yeah. of art, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I like the artwork quite a bit. And uh, for the most part, you know, it's such a quick game. Yeah, yeah. For for what we played a year ago, which was really long. Yeah, it was like 45 minutes or an hour. And now, I mean, that game, we can get through that game now that we've played it a few times in like a half hour. Oh, yeah, very easy. Very easy to set up, very easy to put away. Um, and yet you've got these great sort of bluffing sort of decisions, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So it gives you that nice, it gives you that nice kind of niche in a real short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I just really enjoy it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I like it quite a bit too. I, I you know, was kind of curious to see what what kind of changes were, and I wish I could be more clear in my mind about exactly what was changed. But I can tell you this: when I played it at Metatopia, I wasn't a big fan. I was just like, eh, I don't know about that one. Um, you know, because that's one of the cons that Stephen goes to uh, over at Stronghold, and he'll say, you know, what do you think of this game? Uh, and I remember kind of being sort of a little lukewarm on it. Um, but I think, you know, whatever it was that they did to it, um, and, and I, you know, they must have done something to it, um, 
I really like it. You know, I like the changes because it is faster. Mm-hmm. It is uh, pretty easy to teach. I mean, I've taught it yeah. to a lot of people. Um, you know, the iconography is good. You know, the assassin is a gun. You yes. know, the seduction is is like you know hearts. You know, <laughs> um, everything is like really clear. Uh, if I put a tile down in a space and it shows an eyeball with you know arrows pointing, you know, it's like I know that that means I can peek, I can look at a tile that's on that tile. You know. Um, really kind of clear iconography, which I like quite a bit too. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, if you're looking for a bluffing game, um, I really like this one. I like this much better than Sheriff of Nottingham. Sheriff of Nottingham is another kind of of those bluffing games where you're trying to see, you know, what you can do. Can you intimidate somebody um, into um, not accusing you? of having contraband and in this game you can lay out like two tiles on a location and that's kind of intimidating because you know you know that they're probably gonna sum their strength and if they get the first and second spot you can bet there's probably an assassin and so i might just be like well you know what i'm willing to concede that tile because you put you know two agents there and i don't know who they are but I don't even know that I can compete there, so I'm going to focus my attention somewhere else instead, right? Mm -hmm. So it's got a little bit of that bluffing, like you said. But whereas I found um, Sheriff of Nottingham to be kind of, uh, I don't know, I found it to be kind of annoying. I I, I didn't really find this one that way at all because of the speed of it, because of the special powers. You know, Sheriff of Nottingham is just kind of like, okay, give me the bag, let me look. It's like, okay, okay. There's contraband cards in it or there's not, you know, and, you know, you can play that with people. Like when I play that with, you know, my kids, they're like every time it's like, oh, dad, all right, let me see it. I'll bet you you put something in there. You know, no reason other than they're my kids. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, whatever. There's no point me even trying because they're going to check it every time, you know. So what's the point in this game? Whereas in City of Spies, because the tiles are face down, because uh, you may or may not get the ability to see what I have there. Um, you know, and, and most of the time to activate an ability to peek at what I have there, you have to invest one of your agents there. Yep. So it's like, there's nothing like putting down an agent and then flipping over a tile and going, Oh my God, it's that guy. I got no shot, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then you've kind of wasted your agent. So to me, I like the bluffing in this game a whole lot more than something like Sheriff of Nottingham. So that's probably the main reason that uh, I've enjoyed the game. And I know my kids have enjoyed it. My daughters uh, have enjoyed it. So uh, for me, you know, I would have to give this one a thumbs up. I will as well. Well, that's our thoughts about the uh, latest Stronghold release called City of Spies, Estoril 1942, uh, designed by Gil Ore and Antonia Susalara, um, published by Stronghold Games. Go and check it out. So the next game we're going to talk about is a new title by Ryan LeCoute. Um, and this is the game called Islebound. Uh, this is released again in 2016. It's for two to four players. says it plays in about an hour to two hours. Uh, I find that it plays about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and it's given a weight of like 2.8 and uh, it's kind of, you know, like the, the typical kind of uh, Ryan Lecout, uh, uh game, which is, you know, I always think about that old, great Warner Brothers, like with Bugs Bunny, you know, first base, Bugs Bunny, 
Second base, Bugs, Bugs Bunny. Bunny. Pitcher, Bugs Bunny. Catcher, Bugs Bunny. Left field, Bugs Bunny. Right field, yeah. Bugs Bunny. So it's like designer, Ryan Lookout. <laughs> Artist, Artist, Ryan Lookout. Publisher, Ryan Lookout. <laughs> it's kind of like, he's got everything. Um, yes, so this is uh, another game um, from his mind. And it's kind of set in the same sort of uh, world, sort of universe that he's imagined. Uh, we got these great, like, toad people and bird people and humans and... Fish people. Um, fish people. Yeah, yes. the, fish, the fish folk. I like the fish folk. Um, and so this is a game where you are basically representing uh, the captain of a ship. And you are going to be navigating around a sort of ar- uh, archipelago of islands um, in this ocean, uh, represented by this sort of uh, semi-modular board. And there's a really kind of like a nice option of like a sort of a basic side and an advanced side, uh, which is kind of nifty. And every player is going to start with sort of a home port on the edge of the board. And then the boards are kind of divided into these sort of sea regions with these nice pale lines. The art, of course, is gorgeous, as you would expect from a Red Raven game designed by Ryan. Um, Every player also has a ship board that shows uh, sort of the deck of your ship and then sort of the below deck area of your ship, an area where you kind of have some hammocks for your crew and a cargo hold area. And basically, you're going to start off with a crew for your ship. Uh, These crew are going to be um, kind of, they have sort of like professions. So there's like administrators. Uh, these are people that you need when you come in contact with uh, other cities and people. They're kind of like the, the the people who are going to do. I don't want to call them diplomats, but they're they're almost like that, you know, because they have immunity. They have immunity. Um, they're, but they're kind of like the people who are going to sort of negotiate the terms of you coming into the harbor and uh, talking with the harbor master and smoothing things over with the local political leaders, warlords, whatever, right. right? So they're kind of your administrators. Um, and then you have kind of like your 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 sailors who are really good at making the ship go, okay? So they have kind of like this nice little wave symbol. Um, and then you have um, others um, with a, a hand, and they're kind of like your, your crewmen, and they're going to be really good when you're going to like um, gather resources. So like if I go to an island where I can get wood, a lot of times the amount of resources that I'm going to get are going to be dependent on the number of crews that I have with hand symbols on them, right? Because they're like your deckhands. They're going to be the ones who are going to do the grunt work, right? So you have all of these different kinds of uh, uh, crew people. And we all start off with like a basic set of crew that are kind of, you know, they have like one ability. And that's all that they do. Yep. Okay? And you actually, I actually don't think you start with any of the guys with the wave power. The wave power guys, uh, the, the really excellent sailors you have to kind of recruit later. Um, but what you're going to do is you're going to sail your ship around the board. You're going to come into these different ports and you're going to attempt to do things there. Like you could trade for some goods. You could hire some crew. Um, you can pick up some like local knowledge and folklore as represented by these books um, that you can kind of start to accumulate. Um, you can sort of sponsor like building something on that island, like some sort of a building uh, from a sort of display that you're going to have um, next to the board that has all of these different kinds of uh, buildings that you can build. And I kind of think of them as like, you know, these are like, I don't want to call them estates, but they're like buildings that I've constructed on these different islands that I go to visit. And so I kind of get some benefit from those buildings, but I've kind of sprinkled them around the islands, as it were, right? Because I'm not putting buildings on my ship. My ship is sailing around, but I'm building these buildings. Um, And so 
you might uh, have the op opportunity to either buy a building uh, with all of the wealth that you've accumulated or you might uh, construct it yourself using resources that you've gathered. You can also uh, try to gain renown by going to sort of the capital capital of the archipelago and sort of like bragging about the things that you've done. So yeah. like you can brag about your crew, you can brag about your uh, prowess in combat. And there's these neat little cards when you go to this main sort of city on the board where you can go to um, sort of gain points by um, just simply, you know, visiting there and grabbing that card before somebody else gets there and does it. So there's a little bit of a race aspect sometimes to this game. Then there's also this really neat little system where there are sort of missions that you can try to accomplish that are going to be shown on the board by these two tokens that are kind of move. They're going to move throughout the course of the game because there might be trouble on this one island. And if you go there and you help with the trouble, maybe they need food. Maybe they need you to help fight off hostile pirates. Um, maybe they need um, supplies to build something, right? So if you go and you give that to them, then they're going to uh, give you renown. You know, you're, you're usually going to gain some renown as being this great guy who's helping everybody out uh, or this great warrior who's defeated the nasty pirates or whatnot. And then that kind of event is resolved and you're going to move on this renown track and then you're going to look at a new card. The new card is going to move that marker to another island where there's trouble that's popped up. Uh, maybe there's a nobleman that needs his daughter escorted somewhere. And if you go and you do that, you know, you're, you're going to gain renown. So there's all of these opportunities to kind of fulfill these little storytelling missions. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not storytelling in the same way as Above and Below. You know, these are just little quips on a card that kind of give you a little bit of flavor. And there's not a ton of them. So, you know, you, you do cycle through them and you kind of get to know them and what they are and what they do. But they're still fun to read. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then probably the two neatest parts of the game is the fact that you're going to be trying to take over islands. And there's two ways to take over an island. You can take it over by just military force, right? So you get your crew, you get pirates that you've hired, and, of course... Like any good captain, you can hire sea serpents. Right. I don't Icker. know. Or the Icker. The yes. Icker, the giant sea serpent. The giant uh, uh, nasty sea serpent. And then what you're going to do is you're going to try to beat the defense of that town. And um, each of your sort of pirate crew is going to have a little die symbol on them. And you have to, just like in Above and Below, you have to roll a certain number to get a certain amount of strength points. And if you don't quite get enough strength points, just like in Above and Below, you can exhaust members um, you know, of your crew and then add some strength points that way. Um, but that's going to kind of injure them. It's going to take them longer to recover, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if you take it over with military strength, then you basically loot it, which means you're going to get money equal to the defensive power of the city, which sometimes is you know, anywhere from 7 to $15, which is mm -hmm. huge. It's a lot of money. Or you can attempt to take over the, the island through diplomacy, where you're going to use your sort of um, – I don't want to say you're, you're using your renown because your renown is something different. But there are many ways, especially by completing missions, that you can put out influence cubes. And there's this influence track on the bottom of one of the main boards. And that influence track is going to be populated by cubes from all the different players. And depending on when you gain your influence is going to tell you whether you're gaining maybe just one influence or two or three or four. So, 
you're going to sort of accumulate influence with these cubes in different locations on this single track. And then you can spend that influence, try to take over a town diplomatically. But then you're going to have to remove the cubes. And so I might remove a four and a three and two twos, right, in order to get enough diplomacy to take over this town. Well, the next person who puts out influence has to first fill in the two two slots, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the next person might get to fill in the three. And then maybe I'll even get a chance then once that thing fills up again to put in the four again. Or maybe you'll use your influence. And the first time I go to gain influence, great, I got to do a one. <laughs> so it's really kind of a neat sort of a, a way to try to time it. Um, when you're going to use your influence and when you're going to try to gain influence, like let somebody else take the, the schlubby influence and wait till that uh, power track kind of creeps up and then you jump in there with a couple threes and fours and you're set, you know. So that's another really interesting part of the game. Um, and then finally, you know, what you can do is you can try to visit a town without attacking it either diplomatically or militarily. And basically, you use your administrators, you pay the entrance fee, which is usually money, sometimes a resource, or sometimes you got to exhaust a crew person. Mm -hmm. you got to exhaust an administrator, exhaust a deckhand, which basically means they go from above deck to below deck where they got to sleep. Yep. And then you have to like go to a city, uh, I'm sorry, an island or somewhere where it shows a bed icon, just like in Above and Below, and then your crew's refreshed. Anybody that's below deck will come on top of the deck, right? And then they'll be able to be used again. So that's kind of a, a nifty mechanic. Um, so a lot of times people are going to try to take over a island because they don't want to have to exhaust crew or they, they want to stop paying these entrance fees. But while people are paying the entrance fees, the other kind of cool part of the game is every time you pay a money entrance fee to get to an island, it goes on what's called the treasure map on the main board. And so on your turn, you're going to move your ship and then you're either going to visit a port and try to you know, do the action that's there or you're going to try to take over the town with military or diplomacy or you're going to not visit the port and you're going to go treasure hunting which basically means you take all the money that's accumulated on the treasure map which is kind of neat too. So you have, you know, crew, you have the spatial aspect of sailing your ship around which I find to be fun. Uh, there's a cost for going to the same place that another player is. Um, you have to exhaust another administrator basically. Um, timing is crucial when you visit places. Um, who takes over an area, who doesn't, what buildings you build, what kind of victory points you're going to gain from those, um, what benefits and special powers you're going to gain for those. Like every time you rest your crew, you also get money or maybe you get a discount on buildings. Um, then you have those books of knowledge that you're trying to accumulate that you can kind of turn in for points or that you might use to help you build more elaborate buildings. Just really amazing kind of stuff. So a lot going on in the game. Um, a lot is very wide open. You know, there's no real directional path like you should do this or you should do that. Um, you're kind of free to just kind of sail around and just do stuff and look at your buildings that are available. Look at your crew. Look at opportunities for missions. Look at what you can gain renown for uh, by bragging in the capital. 
and just start to kind of cobble together a little bit of a strategy or a little bit of a plan. And then over time, you develop that strategy and that plan. You become more wed to it as the game goes on because you become more invested in it. And then that kind of leads to other interesting decisions and conflicts. Um, If I see that you are clearly trying to gain control of a bunch of cities in different regions uh, around the board so that you can claim that renown card, well, I might go and take one of those away from you. Um, Not because I necessarily want that island for myself, but because it's going to stop you from scoring points. And so, you know, even though a player has taken over an island, another player can swoop in and take it from them. It's a little bit harder. The game makes it a little harder to take over an area that a player already took over, but you can do it. And so I like the fact that there's just tons of options in this. Uh, my children enjoy this game. You know, all of Ryan's game have been a, a, have been a hit with my kids. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Above and Below, City of Iron, uh, Islebound, Artifacts Incorporated. Um, my kids have really enjoyed these, um, and, and I found that I enjoyed it as well. Um, what have been your sort of impressions with uh, Islebound, Lloyd? Well, I actually enjoyed the game quite a bit, and um, I found that you know there wasn't really anything new about really anything in the game. It's got a bit of an economy that you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got your crew members that you have different roles. Uh, you can expend them and, and exhaust them by putting them under deck to help you boost things. Um, you know, it's got missions. It, it, it's got lots of things that I've seen before. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe the only really big thing for me about this game is the idea that it's like a sandbox game. And again, you don't really have any direction. You just you go out, you sail around, you play around, you you figure something out, mm-hmm. and once you start to develop a strategy, you see if it's going to work. I really enjoy the game a lot because it's fun. You know, you kind of feel like okay, I'm I'm taking my ship around. I'm trying to get wood. I'm trying to get fish. I'm trying to get a little bit of knowledge. And you know, hey, I'm going to hire these pirates. I'm going to hire these sea serpents. Mm-hmm. Um, who wouldn't want but, to do that? Exactly. And, you know, if you get Ikari, you can say, release the Ikar! And that just sounds really <laughs> weird, unless you know the game. That's right. And uh, But, you know, overall, there was nothing that really jumped out to me at, about this game that I was like, wow, I never thought of that in a game before. Mm. Wow, mm. you know, that, that mechanic works so well in this game, and, and it, it really kind of brings that game into focus for me. But it is a good, solid game. I, too, have enjoyed all the games of Ryan's that I've played. Mm-hmm. And I just kick-started last month the uh, Near and Far, so I'm super excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot that was really new in this game for me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, you could be right, you know, that there's not anything sort of like super new in here but when i look up when i look at islebound what i kind of think about is it's almost like ryan is refining his own ideas let me explain what i mean so in above and below you have these villagers that you use you either use the villagers to recruit new villagers uh you can use villagers to build buildings or your builders or you can use villagers of any type to go exploring right Mm -hmm in the caverns beneath, which is kind of the main part of the game and the most fun and the most exciting part of the game. Um, But anytime you use anybody, they're exhausted. Um, If I want to go and get a mushroom from the mushroom farm I have, (laughs) 
<laughs> That's exhausting work, apparently. Dude's tired. It's like the dude's tired from picking the mushroom. I don't know. Maybe he was eating the mushrooms. Well, I don't know. It could be the frog guy, and the frog it guy's only that frog. big. So, you know, he's picking up a mushroom that's three times his size, and he's like, wow. No, the frog guys. And the frog guy's supposed to be the same size as a guy. I think How you got that know? wrong. They're what even, do you mean? How they're do I know? even smaller no, on the tile. No, Look at their no, head. No, I don't buy that at all. But anyway, yeah, like, like I found myself, as much as I like Above and Below, I find it almost annoying how quickly everybody is exhausted. Like, there's always more that I want to do mm-hmm. in, in Above and Below. It's like, okay, so harvesting goods in Above and Below is really, really important, especially a variety of goods, because the more variety of goods I have, the more points they're worth, they get increasingly more valuable. But to harvest a good... I have to exhaust one of my five people, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe if I'm lucky, one of my six people. And if I want to really get a good reward in Above and Below, having an adventure, I probably need to send at least three people because the difficulty level ranges that you have to choose from, um, you know, the best rewards are usually the ones that are at the high end of the difficulty range. And that's where you're going to get like a free good or something like that. So, all right, so I got to get three guys to do that. I wanted to build this building. I wanted, and I know, I know, I'm going to hear people saying, "Well, that's what makes a good game. If there's more that you want to do, than you can do. That's a sign of a good." Okay, yeah, but it doesn't make it any less annoying. <laughs> and so, kind of like what I like about Islebound is he's got the same mechanic mm-hmm. where you have crew members, but your crew members do not exhaust with anywhere near the frequency that they do in Above and Below. And I don't have to worry about getting beds for them. They're in hammocks. Right. I go to one town that has one stinking bed symbol, <laughs> and they're all refreshed and awake and on deck, up. singing a song and mopping the deck, right? Swabbing the poop deck. Okay? <laughs> Everybody's having a good time. It doesn't. It's not hard, you know what I mean? Like, you have to sail to that island. It might not be exactly the direction you wanted to go, but if you judge that you can do it, and not lose some critical advantage somewhere else, you'll do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a big deal. It's not difficult to manage your crew. And a lot of times you have that choice to exhaust your crew. Um, and, and so I really think that like he, he takes ideas that he's used in other games and is kind of like refined them a little bit. Like I find the way the crew is handled in Islebound much more appealing than the way the people are handled in Above and Below. Um, so that's like an example of what I'm talking about, where he's he's kind of, you know, making his own ideas better. Um, he also kind of got away, I think, from the set collection in this game. A lot of his yeah. games have a feature, you know, f- feature very heavily um, set collection sort of ideas, uh, whether it's Above and Below, whether it's City of Iron, where you're trying to get on as many of those different goods tracks as you can and be competitive and have majorities. Like, that's the kind of stuff, like, Area Majority, he does a lot. He did Area Majority in Artifacts Incorporated, you know? But this one, he kind of, like, moved away from that. And maybe that's why I found it to be a little more refreshing, is because it wasn't the same kind of, like, idea that he had used in the past. So I kind of look at this, and even though I think I agree with you, there's no super new mechanic here. There's no earth-shattering, like, 
wild way of looking at things. Like in City of Iron, he has that really cool dual deck building system where you have your civil deck and your military deck. And the way you discard the cards is very important. I mean, that was the really novel thing in that game. So, like, I get what you're saying here. There's not maybe anything super novel, but everything just works really, really well. Like, it's very smooth. Like, out of all of his games... Um, I find this one to be very smooth. The turns are quick. It's like I move here, boom, boom, boom. I want to move farther, no problem. I discard a fish. <laughs> yep. You know? Um, oh, you know, I had a lousy roll in combat. Uh, I'm going to discard some of my wood resources and I get to re-roll again, you know? Um, not exactly sure why wood helps you. Maybe you beat some over the head with a 2 by 4 I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're making a big bat. <laughs> making a big bat. But, like... You know, it's like everything is just very kind of easy and it's more about the kind of, even though it's going to sound corny, it's more about the journey of like sailing around to all the different places. And like we said, cobbling together what you're going to try to do to win. That's maybe like the new part here, you know, because in City of Iron, it's like I got to get points. I got to explore land. I've got to, you know, get on all of these resource tracks that I can, get as many points as I can by being at least in second place, if not in first place. I can't let anybody run away from that. Um, Above and below, it's all about those goods on the bottom of the track, you know, at least in my opinion, because that's where a lion's share of your points are going to come from, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, this game doesn't really seem to have that. Like, you can kind of gather your points. I, maybe it's like a Feld kind of a feel where you can kind of get points in lots of different ways. You get points by doing missions. You can get points by bragging in the capital. Mm-hmm. You can get points by taking over cities and whatnot. Uh, I'm sorry, islands. Because one of the, the other things about the game is is uh, money is victory points. One for one. So yep. if I do nothing but sail around and make a lot of money and keep doing a lot of treasure hunting, I'm going to get a lot of points for that. Yeah. You know, so maybe it, maybe that's what's appealing to me is that almost Feldian kind of feel where it's like there's just a lot of different ways to make points, and I get to choose sort of how I'm going to do that this game, and I might do it completely different another game. But as far as like the mechanics of the game go, I think you're right. There's nothing that I'm looking at that's like wow, this is new and groundbreaking, but. It seems very refined and it seems, you know, it, it just, it's enjoyable to me because I kind of feel like you said, I get to explore on my own and it kind of thematically works, right? Yeah, it totally does because you, you have these nice little islands and you feel like you're just, you're out doing your own thing. And I love if you encounter another person's ship, I think you have to like exhaust one of your diplomats or something right, right. like that. Yeah, if you stop in the same location yeah. as another player's ship, yeah. Otherwise yeah. you just pass each other and shake your fist. Yeah. Yeah, there's no direct player conflict. Do you regret that in this game? Do you well, think there should be? No, there is because you can take over somebody's island. Well, that's true. But that's still somewhat indirect because I don't think the person can block you. No. Mm-mm. So but they can come right back and they try can and take come it back again. and yeah. try and take it. So I mean there there's not a lot of conflict in this game, and I think for the most part it works. Because if I knew that I had to worry about, you know, you and Carter at one point ganging up on me. Well, okay, then I got to go get pirates and sea serpents and make sure I have wood for re-rolls. And, well, now, you know, I'm not It's a different game. It's a different game. Now, I'm not thinking about my strategy to get, you know, those cool points from the point salad. Now, I'm just worried about being defensive. Right, right, and And not getting yourself uh, kicked around and kicked about. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a good point. Um, And so, yeah, while there is definitely that kind of player interaction... 
I think that uh, you're right. If you could kind of directly go out of, after each other, I don't know that it would work as well because then, like you, you're describing, it'd be kind of a different game. So um, do you have any other sort of final thoughts as uh, Haley shakes in the background there for us? Do <laughs> you have any other final thoughts about, really, you're going to do it again? She's Thank you so much. It. <laughs> Gotta love this dog. Do you have any other final thoughts uh, about the game here, Lloyd? Uh, yeah, I do. Actually, the other really cool thing that I appreciated about this is every one of those crew members and those people that you can hire, if you flip them over, you can use them oh, yeah, in right. Above and Below yeah, because yeah. they have the alternate icons with the dice rolls on the back. And it's just, yeah, tons of fun. Now, apparently my daughter uh, wants to say something about this game, too. So we're going to hear what she has to say. What, what do you want to say about Islebound? I rate this game 10 out of 10 for great. (laughs) What makes it so great? Well, you know, (laughs) I just got home from practice. Uh, I really like this game because all the different, like, little, like, lands are, Uh like, all, like, unique. And you can build your own, like, strategy for, like, well, I want to do better in this, so I'll go here. And then once you take them over, you can really, like, build a good... Ship? Yeah. 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 All right. Bye. All right. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Sophie's take on Ilebot. Yeah. And like I said earlier in the review, all the kids like it. Like yeah. um, Carter really likes it. Olivia liked it. Um, it's it's a fun game. And it's one that you kind of do get that feeling of exploration, which is uh, a good time. So for me, Islebound is uh, definitely a thumbs up. What about you, Lloyd? Oh, it's definitely a thumbs up for me as well. Um, I like all of Ryan's games, and this is one that I'm happy to play anytime. Well, those are our thoughts about Islebound, uh, the latest title from Ryan LeCop, and looking forward to uh, Near and Far, uh, the next mm-hmm. one that he's got coming out. I'm going to definitely want to check that out as well. So uh, if you were interested in uh, any of the games that we talked about today, whether it's City of Spies or Islebound, I would definitely encourage you to go over to gamesurplus.com and uh, check and see if they have any still in stock. Uh, If they don't, uh, send a message over there to games at gamesurplus.com and they'll be sure to round up a copy for you. Um, Gamesurplus.com is our sponsor and we are thrilled to be associated with them. They have exceptional customer service, fantastic uh, shipping speed, a huge selection of imports available all the time, uh, as well as all the greatest uh, and latest domestic titles. So their uh, inventory is expanding all of the time, and uh, we're just thrilled to uh, be associated with Game Surplus and would encourage everybody to go there. Uh, they have also recently changed their shipping policy. They offer free shipping um, at a much lower threshold than they did before. Um, and uh, they're always running specials in their treasure chest section, uh, and they update now more than once a week. Uh, They used to update only on Friday evenings, and you kind of had to wait around and and see what pops up. Um, They update now regularly, and so I know, you know, they got a few copies of A Feast for Odin in. I even tweeted about that. I grabbed one of those for myself, of course. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, they're they're getting stuff in all the time, so check them out daily. That's gamesurplus.com. So for Lloyd Keller and myself, I want to say thanks to everybody out there for listening, and have a great night.